Family Travel Radio is on the air. Is this a question? I'm just kidding. Okay. With feeling. Okay. okay. Oh. Family Travel Radio is on the air. Welcome to Family Travel Radio, the official podcast of the Family Travel Association. Family Travel Radio is on the air, helping you discover the world of possibilities family travel has to offer. Well, hello there, my friend. It's Aaron Schlein, and welcome to Family Travel Radio. In today's episode, we're focusing on an important but less traditional form of family travel, and that is traveling with other people's kids. Our featured interview is with Sherry Ott of Ott's World. You're going to hear some wonderful stories and details and lessons learned from Sherry's experience traveling to various corners of the world with each of her six nieces in one-on-one trips that happened over the course of several years. Before we get to my chat with Sherry, I want to recommend a series of articles over at RomeFamilyTravel.com, written by one of Rome's contributors, Daria Mead, who traveled all over the world for two years with her cousin on business trips, and during that time, she toured with her cousin's toddler twins. And over at RomeFamilyTravel.com, you'll find Daria's account of traveling with her cousin and the twins through Paris, Thailand, and Guadalajara, Mexico. Now, these reports offer a shining example of non-traditional family travel that will hopefully get you thinking outside the box about your role in introducing travel to the kids in your life, whether it's your own kids or nieces, nephews, cousins, friends, cousins, cousins of friends, whatever. There are plenty of young people out there who need to see the world, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, you are the perfect person to show it to them. All three of Daria's articles are available at Rome Family Travel, and you can find links to all three at familytravel.org slash radio. Family travel comes in endless forms, and Sherry Ott is living proof of that. Sherry is a long-term traveler, a blogger, and a photographer. She's been writing about her travel lifestyle and around-the-world adventures on Ottsworld.com since 2006. In her 11 years of living nomadically, she has circled the globe multiple times, visiting all seven continents. She's lived in Vietnam. She's hiked the Annapurna Circuit with her father, finished the 10,000-mile Mongol Rally, walked the Camino de Santiago, kayaked in Antarctica, herded reindeer in the Arctic, and drove an auto rickshaw across India. Sherry continues to seek out epic adventures to intriguing places to inspire people to overcome their fears and reap the benefits of of travel. Sherry Ott, welcome to Family Travel Radio. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Sherry, I got a million questions just about those handful of experiences right there in your in your bio. So let's just let's just dive into one here. 10,000 mile Mongol rally. Oh. What's up there? Yeah, uh, I did that probably about 6 years ago. It was the Mongol rally. It was for charity. You buy a totally inappropriate car in London and basically drive it all the way to Mongolia without any support. You can choose whatever route you want. I thought it sounded like one hell of an adventure, and it really, really was. That and the auto rickshaw thing were probably two of the hardest things I've done in travel. Well, give me give me one, one moment from either of those two experiences that just jumps out as, as wild and crazy and, and memorable. <laughs> um, uh, Mongol rally, for sure, the time in Kazakhstan that I was picked up by the cops and kind of shooken down for a bribe 
but yet we did actually break the law. So it was, it was interesting. The bribe hole started at like 500 or $600 over the hour of spending time in the police office and dealing with this guy. I got it talked down to like 53. So we did pretty well. <laughs> Sherry, we've been doing this show for a while now, and I know this is going to be a great interview because you're my first guest to ever tell a story about getting picked up by the cops on family <laughs> travel radio. You're my kind of gal, Sherry. I'm ready to rock and roll here. <laughs> great. <laughs> so I invited Sherry on the show today to not only talk about her, her Mongol rally and getting picked up by the police. Fascinating stuff, of course, and maybe we'll have another interview about that another time. But I invited Sherry on to talk about the Nice Project, which is ongoing, actually recently concluded project that Sherry did with her six, six of her nieces where she traveled with them to various parts around the world. And we really wanted to highlight that family travel is by no means limited to moms and dads and kids. You know, their family travel takes a variety of different forms. So Sherry, I'd love, just, just let's dive in. Tell me about the Nice Project. Well, first of all, I have to say I have six nieces, no nephews. So I'm not like just singling out my nieces. It's just the hand I was given. Appreciate you clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. So I have six nieces, three girls in each of my brother and sister's families. I don't know, gosh, years ago, probably about when I started traveling, I decided I, I was just so perplexed on always what to get them for Christmas and all, you know, birthdays and so on, because they all had so much. And I was always living and working in another city and didn't know them that well. I just decided, you know, this is stupid. Why am I getting them more stuff? Their parents know what they need. I have no idea. And so I decided instead I would start saving up and um, get them no more gifts and instead take them on trips, some kind of travel experience. I decided I would wait until they were 16 because I personally am much better with older kids. And I thought it would be kind of a pivotal time in their lives. So when they were 16, they could choose anywhere in the world they wanted to go and I would take them. That was going to be my gift for them for a lifetime, basically. But uh, I had a lot of other ulterior motives, but that was kind of the gist of it. That was the the rules, I would say. Let's talk talk about those ulterior motives. Yeah. You know, I, not only was it that I didn't know what to get them and I didn't want to get them more stuff, but a lot of it too was quite selfish on my part. I am one of the many women out there who decided not to have kids. I never, I just never felt the clock ticking. I never felt that desire. I knew that I was going to be childless and I knew that I'm also the youngest in my family. So I knew that as I got older, these, my nieces were going to be the closest I had in family as I aged. And so I thought, you know, this is going to be really important that I build relationships with them because they're the closest thing to my kids that I would ever have. That was kind of the selfish part, I suppose, but I really wanted to build more of a bond and more of a personal relationship with them. That was certainly one of the big drivers of the Nice Project for me. Well, let me stop you there for just a second. Mm -hmm. And if you could just describe your relationship with your nieces leading up to the Nice Project, prior to that, them turning 16 and you taking on this project, what was that bond like initially? It was always just about, I would see them when we had holidays, right? So when the whole family would would get together, which is a, it's a unique situation in and of itself when a family is together for a holiday, you know, and I'd get their school pictures and I would kind of know what they were doing in school, but you know, it was very much long distance because I always lived in another city. So I didn't, I never really understood their day to day. It was just very special occasions in which we got together. So that was really it. That's the relationship I had with my aunts and uncles. Really. We lived 500 miles away. I barely ever saw them. 
I loved my aunts and uncles, but I didn't really know them. They were just people I saw at Christmas and holidays and they sent me a birthday card. What would you say your niece's impression of you was during that time? Your crazy Aunt Sherry, always around the globe, getting postcards from weird places and then maybe turning up at Christmas. Yeah, I, that's a good question. I don't know exactly what they thought. I mean, yeah, I suppose I, I think I'm still always crazy Aunt Sherry to them a little bit because I have really went outside of the norm of normal society um, when I left my corporate job and started traveling back in 2006. So I think I was quite unusual to them for that. They also kind of, I think, also always knew me as this person who was always single. And I had boyfriends, but not anything really serious. So they just kind of thought about me as being independent and off traveling the world, probably. Yeah, they, they didn't really know me. They didn't know my history or background or anything like that. They just knew me as the traveling aunt. Well, and then I would imagine that by spending this incredible quality time with them individually, they, you got to bring them inside your world, inside Ott's world. <laughs> nice. And, and I, I just know just know as a child, and then I imagine this with my own kids, that they take the adults in their life and they size them up pretty quickly. And they're like, this is what mm-hmm. this person's about. And you get, you get pigeonholed into a box. And it's really not their fault. That's just kids tend to simplify things. So let's mm-hmm. flash forward to that first, that very first trip, that very first niece turned 16. Where'd you go and what'd you do? So let me back up because I think this is kind of interesting. Please. As I said, my brother and sister had three daughters each. Those two families are very different. My sister's family actually lived overseas as expats in Singapore for five years. So those girls growing up had passports for those five years and traveled pretty extensively in Asia with their families or with their family. My brother's family, on the other hand, no passports. None of them had ever been out of the country, including my brother and sister-in-law. So you had two completely different experiences. And then the other interesting thing about it to me is that these six girls were completely intertwined in age. So it was my sister's oldest, then my brother's oldest, then my sister's middle. My bro- you know. So every other trip, I'd have these kind of very different experiences of just preparing for the travel. So... The, the first niece, Bethany, chose Italy. And one of the reasons she chose Italy was when she loved pasta, which Sometimes I- Sometimes that's I, all it takes. I know. I love teenagers' reasons for tra- or for picking places. But she really loved pas- pasta. And because she spent pretty significant time in Asia and had traveled through Asia, she had never been to Europe before. So that was her big thing, was getting to Europe for the first time. As far as my you know experience with that first trip, I was- I thought I was all calm, cool, and collected, actually. Like, I really didn't think it was any big deal. I've traveled with friends. You know, like, I'd been traveling for years at that point. I think it was my brother-in-law at one point, because this was one where, because she had traveled before, I was already in Europe, and she flew, I got her ticket, but she flew out to Rome herself, and I met her at the Rome airport, which I didn't think was any big deal at the time. Like, it hadn't even occurred to me as a big deal. And I remember my brother-in-law coming and going, have you figured out like how you're going to meet up with her? And I'm like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it'll be easy and it's, it's not any big deal. It was interesting because I don't know if he was testing me or what, but he, you know, it was like, well, what's your backup plan if you don't meet at the airport? And I'm like, huh. <laughs> and all of a sudden I remember becoming like hyper nervous about it after that conversation with him, because one, I think it was like one of these things where it was like, does she really know what she's doing? Kind of questioning me, which I don't know if I did or not. You know, I just, I didn't really think much about it until then. And so after that point, I think, 
then I was quite nervous about like meeting up with her and getting her going and so on. Um, but we met, we met fine in the airport. It really wasn't any big deal. <laughs> so it, that all worked out. And the first thing I remember with her was being in the taxi from, from the train station or whatever and getting to our apartment that we were staying in and her reaction of how narrow the streets were. And that was kind of one of the first times where I realized this wasn't just about all those other reasons why I did this. The other added benefit was I got to see things for the first time again through their eyes because I'd been to Europe. You know, I hadn't even thought about how small the place was, but it did remind me that the first time I did go to Europe, that was my reaction, narrow streets, small cars. So it was just kind of fun. That's one of the things I really hope to, to the reactions that I hope to get out of, out of my kids when I take them overseas or really any place that's unusual or outside of their their norm is just, you know, that yeah. wide eyed look you get when you see things as simple as going to the UK or to, to Japan and seeing the cars driving on the other side of the street. If you've never yeah. seen that before, or you've never ridden in a car where the driver's on the right side, mm-hmm. it's just, it'll make your head spin a little bit. And then, yes. but then you, but then you come out of that experience just a little bit wiser in the ways of the world. And I think it's, it, I think there's nothing but upside. Yeah. And I think the one thing though, and I had always hoped for that because I was that type of traveler. So I actually hadn't left the United States until I was 30 years old. That's the first time I ever had a passport. So I was a very novice traveler when I started. I was one of those travelers that still am that's super curious about everything. And I wide eyed at 30 years old when I went to Istanbul for the first time, I was expecting to see that out of them. And the one thing I did learn pretty early on is that they're teenagers and teenagers are a whole different breed. Teenagers don't always show those emotions, even though they may be going on in the back of their head. I would always kind of like look at them and try to get this like, oh, isn't this cool? You know, try to get that feeling. And they would just kind of play it off as like, eh, you know, and I learned that that's just kind of a teenager thing. They didn't want to show too much or act like something was unusual to them. <laughs> so. Interesting. Interesting. You're, ma- you're making me reflect here a little bit because I, I traveled with my, my grandmother at that real similar age. And mm-hmm. I, and I kind I think I kind of did that. I was a little too cool for school at the time, yep. but it was pretty quickly, you know, in my, in my twenties, maybe I was, I started to really appreciate what happened. And the way I talked about those trips to my friends, I think was very different than the way I expressed my, my feelings about them to my grandmother, even to my parents. And knowing that going in, or at least learning it really quickly, the way you're describing, it arms you with some really good information moving forward. Yes. And I didn't always get this benefit, but there were a few times on a few of the trips that I came home with them and was able to see how they told what they told their parents and the things they told their friends. And that was really interesting to me because that's really when I got more of the insight of what was impactful to them because they really weren't telling me necessarily because it was, it was the too cool for school thing for the most part. Well, cool. So that, that first trip to Italy, so you've, you've met up in the airport, everything's cool. The streets are narrow. What, what happens next? <laughs> uh, we spent a few days in Rome doing all the typical stuff. Well, I shouldn't say we did like food tours and we tried to get off the beaten path. We also did the Colosseum and stuff like that. But the other cool part, I remember I was working with the apartment rental company, which I, you know, I work with a lot of different businesses when I travel. And I remember meeting up with the owner there who happened to be from he was from Ireland. I remember being astonished that she was like so nuts about his accent. She would just laugh. She would giggle about it, actually. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, so I started introducing her to some of my friends along the way, which was actually cool because I had traveled and I had made all these friendships in different places and I knew a lot of people in Italy. So some of the things we did on our trip were really hyper local because I knew people. And in fact, I remember like we got invited to someone's home on Sunday dinner. So we like met the grandma, you know, the Nona and the, you know, so it was really fun. They took us through Naples to, you know, and I had a big thing on like, I wanted to learn how to eat pizza like an Italian. And so we were on this pizza quest. I introduced her to the people at the cooking school that I went to in Amalfi or on the Amalfi coast. And so she really got led into my life. And that was a very different trip than the rest of them. And the other thing I really take away from that trip, I remember, was she was actually 18 when she went, so she could drink legally. And that was one of those things where it was really fun for me to have experienced some firsts in, in her life with her because, you know, as the aunt, you don't always get that. As the parents, you always do the first walking, the first words, all that stuff. So I was like the first person that got to order a drink with her legally, which I thought was pretty cool. It's an adult thing to do, an adult mm-hmm. bond to, to build. And so I also remember we stayed at a hostel. It was her first hostel she had ever stayed at. And I wanted to introduce her to that culture a little bit too. You know, part of my reasoning too was to be a travel mentor to them and get them interested in that kind of travel too. So it was a success, I would say. It sounds like it. Well, I'm just thinking about being the first anything in someone's life. No one could ever take that away from you. And yeah. I think, and I'd imagine as your all of your nieces grow older, that they're going to trace back a lot of firsts to, to crazy aunt Sherry. Yes. <laughs> so now I'm interested. Okay. So that was trip number one. And that was, you yeah. said was with the family who had had the, the passports, had the travel experiences. Yes. So trip number two. Yep means that now you're traveling with a child who's had very little travel experience and the parents have had little travel experience. So yes. a lot more reason to be to be fearful and skeptical. So take me through that because overcoming fear is part of your mission. Tell me how you did that. Yes. And this one, because everyone was a novice, I was much more nervous. I was much more nervous about dealing with my brother and sister-in-law in this case, as well as my niece. But this niece, oh my God, Evie, I love her to death. She picked she her process for picking a place it wasn't about pasta her -hmm. process was like this is the only time in my life that i'm going to go somewhere and so i've got to make it really meaningful that was kind of her process she also had goals like she loved food so she was very interested in the culture's food she wanted to make sure it was someplace really different i was so surprised because i thought my brother's girls would go to you know like paris or someplace safe i don't know yeah she chose vietnam Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well done, kid. I know. I couldn't believe it. So, so that meant a lot of things. We got her passport for the first time. Um, That whole process was new to her parents too, right? So we had to like run around and get, you know, all that stuff. I had to, because we were going to more of a lesser developed country, um, I had to get like a temporary guardianship form and all that kind of stuff because we were just, you know, covering all the bases. So that was kind of an education with her parents as well as like travel insurance and all that kind of stuff, right? Here's a good piece. I did live in Vietnam for a year. So I felt, I knew what I was getting myself into taking her there. And I was really excited too. But I also had friends there because I lived there. So there were some people there we were going to hook up with. But this was going to be her first long flight ever, first jet lag for, you know, and this was a massive Mm -hmm. flight because my brother's family lives in Nebraska. So we had to go from the middle of the country to Ho Chi Minh City. 
And that one, because they had never flown long, I actually went out to Nebraska and joined them on both legs of the trip to ease everyone's concerns. I still remember that one. I was really nervous um, when we left because my brother is very kind of laid back guy. My sister-in-law is normally not, but she had been very laid back about all this. She's like, yeah, you know, this is all good. And then it was the morning of we were going to leave and go to the Omaha airport. And, every, you know, we're all packing and everyone, you know, it's this is a whole new experience for that whole house. So we're two younger sisters, too, are just kind of like, huh. And they knew that this was in their future at, oh, at yeah. this point? Okay. We've been talking about it now. Once they saw Bethany go, everyone knew this was for real. Okay. So that kind of then opened up this whole family conversation over across the two families, which was really interesting too. But I was getting ready in the bathroom and Michelle, my, my sister-in-law come, knocks on the door and she comes in. She's like, um, I just, I just want to make sure that you know that like she shouldn't go off alone and like, you're not going to leave her to go off alone in the city and she shouldn't, you know, and I'm, and it was like that moment where all of her fears came out and I was so surprised by it because she had been so calm. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I'm no, you know, I got this. It's not a problem. We'll contact you every day. That was the other thing I did with them is that one. We made sure that we had a contact plan so that Evie was writing her parents daily because Michelle was way more nervous than what I was expecting. So that just kind of hyped me up and I was nervous that whole flight and getting there and so on and making sure that we made contact with her mom every day to let her know that everything was okay and stuff. So very different experience than the first one. Yeah. And obviously, Sherry, I'd love to get into to every detail of the Nice Project. Of course, we don't have time here, but you did very thoroughly document this, you yes. know, the whole project over at oddsworld.com. So yep. just give us a little brief, a brief rundown of what people can expect when they, when they go to Oddsworld and they read about the Nice Project. You know, I think it, it, it changed also throughout. I have a whole series that's called The Nice Project. So you can actually go through it one by one as I wrote it, kind of like chapters in a way. And I think my style changed throughout these six trips, for sure, of what I was keeping track of and so on. So the last ones are way more about my relationship with them, which is fun. Uh, I also wrote a bunch of things kind of in the middle about learning things along the way of like traveling with other people's kids um, when they're not your own. Things like, you know, that temporary guardianship and communication plans and stuff like that, that I learned after the first few. And as well as information about the locations we went to. So because I am a travel blog and I do share about, you know, things to do and stuff like that. One thing to note is after that first one, after the Italy trip, Pretty much all of them after that, after I had kind of built a little data around that trip, I pitched out and I had I had Intrepid Travel basically sponsored most of the Nice projects after that because it is this very unusual way to do family travel and they were interested in that. So all of the other ones were like small group tours, which has a real benefit in and of itself because for me, each trip got longer and slightly more complicated from the countries they chose. So when I was with Bethany, it was just a week in, in Rome or in Italy. All the other ones were like two to three weeks because we went longer. And so we did that all through small group travel, which was great because it gave a whole nother aspect to them meeting people from around the world and interacting with them as young adults and seeing other people's ways of lives and stuff like that too within the group. You talked about each of the the trips getting longer and more complicated. I'm imagining some sibling slash cousin rivalry. Were they trying one out trying to 
trying to outdo the next. Yes. <laughs> and that piece I didn't expect at all. That was a complete surprise. The process of deciding where was way harder than I ever thought it would be. But I suppose, you know, if you ask any adult even today, you can go anywhere in the world. Where would you go? It is kind of hard to narrow that down. And as a 16-year-old, it's even harder. So those processes of their decisions turned out to be way more of a, a process and an educational process than I ever thought it would be. But yes, they try to outdo each other and they did. Like, so Bethany went to Italy. The second one, Evie went to Vietnam. The third one went to Peru. She had never been to South America. So we did a lot of time in, uh, we did like three weeks in Peru. Long time to be away at that age. We not only did like Machu Picchu and the Amazon and all that standard stuff, we also, she took a week and she raised money and we built houses in Lima. So we did a volunteer project, which was awesome. Whole different kind of aspect to it. Uh, and that was her idea. The fourth one, we went to Belize. Fifth one was New Zealand. And so long, long and first hop into the Southern Hemisphere where we had to deal with, I would normally go in their summers off from school, but this one we had to go over Christmas and New Year's because southern hemisphere so that was a little different she spent christmas away from her family and you know that was all new too and then the last one the last one was in my brother's family so you got to remember never been out of the country she chose india which I, most adults won't wouldn't ever do that like she had no idea and i actually we sat for a long time and talked about india because i had spent a lot of time in india and I wanted to make sure that she knew all the aspects of India, especially the bad ones, because my big fear, I was really scared on that one then because I was afraid she was going to get over there and then freak out and be like, I want to go home. But we did it through an intrepid trip again, and it was perfect. And she did stellar. I was so proud of her. Yeah. Well, that is, that is just really, really magical stuff, Sherry. And the takeaway here is, my friends out there in podcast land, you don't have to have your own kids to, to benefit from family travel. Sherry Ott is living proof of that. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, they're all important parts of the family and definitely encourage you to get out there with the young people in your life and, and experience the world together. It can only do great things for your relationship and for the, the kids growing up. Sherry, wrap up the, the Nice Project. I know the benefits of the project may not reveal themselves for many years to come, but how are you feeling right now, now that the all six nieces have been through the, the Sherry Ott niece program? I actually feel really sad that it's done. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as we've talked about it, we could start a round two. We've talked about that, but it has, you know, you're right. I think it's definitely long-term benefits as far as our relationship goes, but I can see little things like, I have much more of an adult relationship with them now. They text me about things that are personal. They always text me and contact me when they have travel questions, which I think is super cute. The, old, the two older nieces, the ones that are now out of college, are both traveling quite a lot now. In fact, the niece who went to Vietnam, where that was her first trip, she actually, when she was in college, went back to Vietnam on a spring break by herself and brought friends with her for the first time. And she also went and studied abroad in Oman. She's traveled to Thailand, Ireland. And then the other niece, Bethany, the second or the other oldest niece, she's been all over Europe now going to Mexico because now they have their own money and they can make decisions. But I do know that I will travel with them again. And that's pretty exciting to me. So it'll be interesting to even see how that changes. 
Well, you, you, you planted the seed, you gave them, you gave them that gift of travel that you had just been kind of keeping to yourself up to that point because you had no one to give it to, but then these, these six nieces, it's just incredible. And then to think the, the good that those six ladies are going to do throughout their life and then they're going to pay it forward and whose lives that they're going to touch. hundred years from now, Sherry, we could trace back a whole world of good right back to you and that, that niece project. I'm not kidding. I'm, that's really I'm not, nice. I'm not just, uh, not just blowing smoke here. That's, that's really special and uh, it's very, very selfless act and certainly appreciate all you do. So real quick, let's wrap up. Anybody out there who may be considering a nef- niece, nephew, grandchild project of their own, give, give us one, you know, a couple of rock star tips for anyone considering that start presenting it to them early because the even the idea of it if you start saying like this is what I'm going to do when you're 16 or whatever age you choose it opens up that conversation that worldly conversation that much earlier because it gets them thinking about the world and where do I want to go it's just a wonderful question to pose to people i think um, young and old that decision of where and how they decide and and so on is really a fun part of the process not to miss so make sure you give it time yeah give it time and let those let those nieces and nephews into your world the way Sherry let her six nieces into her world and you can read all about the niece project and everything else Sherry has going on over at ottsworld.com that's o t t s w o r l d.com Sherry thank you so much for taking some time today on Family Travel Radio really enjoyed chatting with you Thank you it was fun Well there you have it my friend No matter what you're doing, no matter where you are right now, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Family Travel Radio. Special thanks to Sherry Ott from OttsWorld.com for the fantastic chat and for sharing the Nice Project with all of us today on Family Travel Radio. And as always, you can find everything about today's episode, all the links, all the notes. It's all waiting for you at FamilyTravel.org slash radio. All right, my friend, this is Aaron Schlein for Family Travel Radio. Until next week, I am signing off.